join us this morning as we worship the Lord. strength that found me at my weakest your grace poured out in my despair when I feel lifeless tired burned out and defeated your perfect love will find me there you called my name and you made But look at me now, I found revival in you. And you gave me life, cause that's what you do. Oh, I was dead, but look at me now, I found revival in you. While dreams were breathed into existence, broken heart began to be there's no more fear and doubt my bitter disappointment came my greatest victory oh when you called my name you made all things new oh I was dead but look at me now I found
Turn bones into army. 
Children's Church, see Ashton at the back. Tyler. to have my youngest child, Sarah, with us this morning, and she's going to introduce uh, some, a lady's going to give us some information about foster care in Poinsett County. You ready? Okay. Good morning. morning. My name is Sarah Riddle. For those who don't know me, most of y'all know me. Um, and I'm introducing Jamie Tocito. She works with Connected, and we're going to give y'all some information this morning. Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm going to try to be respectful and keep this in like five minutes for me and five minutes for Sarah. So if I don't make sense, just start waving around or asking questions because I feel like I'm going to go real fast. So my name is Jamie, and I work for Connected Foster Care. We are a ministry under Arkansas Baptist Children's Home and Families. So have any of y'all heard of Arkansas Baptist Children's Homes before? Oh, my goodness. Okay, well... You've been giving probably in your budget, I would assume most churches have, to... a different Okay, so y'all are a different thing. Okay, so if you've ever heard of Arkansas Baptist State Convention, most of our Arkansas Baptist churches that belong to that have been budgeting towards Arkansas Baptist Children, Home, and Families for years and years, and they've done an excellent job caring for orphans and uh, children who are currently homeless. But a few years ago, the state did away with that and decided that it's not best scenario for children to be in an orphanage. And I think we can all agree that it doesn't follow a Christ-like model necessarily, and children should be in families. The problem is when the state did away with our large group homes, they didn't really have a plan for what to do with those kids. So the Department of Human Services, or DHS, opened up contracts to private agencies. I'm gonna spare you the details after that, but basically, what happened is faith-based agencies like us have accepted those contracts and we now privatize foster care. So what does that mean? That means that we are able to recruit and train gospel-centered homes to love on our Arkansas children while they're in foster care until they're able to return hopefully back to their families when um, safety factors have been eliminated or when parents have received the care that they need in order to parent their children. Um, 
We also support the reunification and strengthening of Arkansas families. So foster care is not adoption, just to give everyone kind of a brief overview of what that looks like. Um, this is a huge crisis. So just to share a few numbers with you so you can know what we're up against. There are, as of May 1st, there were 4,785 children in foster care in the state of Arkansas. And there are 1,523 homes trying to care for those children. And if you do the math, there aren't enough homes. Um, so what is my job? My job is to take care of those 4,785 kids in Area 9. So that's like all the way out to St. Francis, Poinsett, over towards the Tennessee line, and out towards BB. So it's a big area. We have a lot of children in our area. Um, those kids don't always find a home, so we're having them in the office for a night or for days until we're able to find a family that will take them in. Uh, sometimes that looks like going to local churches, which we do several times a month, and we feed them at the church, and we play games, and we use whatever facilities the church has to distract them in their situation until we find a bed. In Poinsett County, you have 76 children right now in foster care. Um, a lot of your kids get to go to a relative. That's the first thing we do is try to find, DHS works really hard to find a relative that's appropriate and can care for those kids to keep them with a family and a familiar person, but it just isn't always possible. So a lot of those kids are looking for a home and you have only 10 foster homes in Poinsett County. Um, Crittenden County has 49 children and only nine homes. Uh, Cross has 48 kids and only 17 homes. I could go on and on to show you how desperate the situation is. Um, we're currently caring for 15 of your children from Poinsett. 12 of them come from Truman. Um, for example, we have a large sibling group that we couldn't even place together, so they're spread out in three different homes, one home in Cross and one in Poinsett and one in Craighead uh, or Green. Um, that's what that looks like. I want to share with you today, I, I really wish I could find a way to bring these kids in and make you see how, how big this need is. But for security and safety reasons, we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to show you the faces of these sweet kiddos. But I want to tell you that um, I'm not only a caseworker, I'm also a foster mom. And it is a great privilege to step in to these kids' lives and get to know them and to show them with your hands and your feet and your heart and your home how much you love and you care for them. And there's never been a child in my home that I didn't open my home to that I didn't get to share the love of Jesus with. And some of those kids came to know Jesus in my home. Um, two of those kids never left my home. They didn't get to go home, and I ended up adopting them. And I just want to tell you, if, if you, I, I would encourage you to ask God. Not everyone is called to foster care, but I think we can all be a part of the problem in some way. It's a huge crisis. Um, I just urge you to desire more knowledge about it. You, I'll leave some cards on the table 
out here in the foyer that you can contact me or our agency at any time. We have an office in Harrisburg. I would love to meet with you maybe in a smaller group in the church to give you more information. Um, but if you know Jesus and his love has changed your life, maybe it's not foster care, but there's something in the community that God is asking you to do. There's definitely needs that we should be meeting in some way, but foster care is a big one. So I just really encourage you today to pray and ask God if it's something that he is asking from you and your family. We would love as an agency to wrap around you and support you. Um, we take we work alongside DHS, so we would be your case manager if you decided to open ever under Connected Foster Care. We're in your home um, every other week helping you through all your situations. We encourage local churches to support you with meals and um, whatever creative ways, cleaning your house, washing your vehicle, babysitting your kids, keeping them for the weekend. There's so many things you can do. I could go on for another 15 minutes, but I'll stop. And if you have any questions, please don't just scoot out today. I would love to talk with you. Stopping at the table does not mean I'm going to sign you up and bring you a child. But I would love to just tell you more about us um, and just see what God might be doing in your church. So I said this would be the one that I wouldn't cry at. But she's going to make me cry. It's been a hard week for her, so been a hard week for me too um i wanted us to come here because um i know the heart of this church and i know that um your heart breaks for what the things that god's heart breaks for and I know that because I've seen it. And um, like she said, we can't bring the kids to you and we can't show you. And that's why I think the church has failed in the area of foster care because you don't see it. There's kids in your school that go home to literal hell and you don't see it. They look like my kids and you there's no way for you to know. Um, and the state can't come into the church and ask for your help. They're, they're working 80 hours a week. They don't have the time to do that. Um, so that's what Connected has done. They've bridged that gap so that they can ask the churches to step up and they can give you more information. Um, and that's why I wanted us to come here, because I know this church cares. I, um, there was a child who was going to be coming to Truman, what, second or third home. She was very upset about it. And so Jamie called me, and she was like, she's coming to Truman. She's not going to be at a connected home, but what can we do to make her transition to Truman easier because she was very upset and she's only 10 years old um, so we were going to take her to Clem and get her hair done and get her nails done sorry so I texted Teresa and I said hey we're going to do this and if nobody stepped up Jamie was going to pay for it 
and Jamie's a single mom of four children. And, and within an hour, um, Teresa had eight people who said they would pay for it. So I know that you guys want to do this. Um, I don't know who has it in their heart to open their home. And like Jamie said, it's not everybody who's supposed to do that. Um, I will tell you, it's not everybody who's supposed to do that. Um, but whether you like it or not, New Testament, Old Testament, it is throughout the Bible that God has called us to care for those who cannot care for themselves, specifically children. And um, so it's our job, whether we want to or not, and it's hard. Um, some days I don't want to. Um, some days I'm like, why did I sign up for this? Um, for those that don't know, we've got six children in our home right now. And some days it's very, very difficult. Um, but I've known since I was 18 years old that this is what I was supposed to do. And I never thought that I'd be at a different church doing it. Um, but our church in Wynn has come alongside us and carried us through it. And I know that this church can do that for homes here in Poinsett. And um, we've talked about maybe if someone felt led in this church to be that point person, to be that person that we can text and be like, hey, we know that this is about to happen in Poinsett County. And like I said, we can't tell you the names, but we can tell them that First General Baptist provided this for you. And so that's a huge connection that if they ever want to be the ones to come and say, hey, you did this for us and you didn't even know it, um, that's a big deal. Um, just in closing, I want to say, if it's been a long time since you saw God move, then you're just not walking in obedience, because we're working in the toughest places where it seems impossible, and we watch God move, even in the hardest, most awful things you can imagine. He is working and moving in your community, and if you don't know how to jump on board with something, you need to talk to your pastor or your church leaders and find out what obedience looks like for you. Um, but I really, you know, this is a rare opportunity that the state has opened up. There are no limitations on our homes. You can share the gospel freely. You can share with the children's parents if you feel led to do that. Um, and it's just a, it's a heartbreaking to us to watch these kids bounce around or get separated from their siblings. And you have a chance, church, to provide desperate, vulnerable children with a Christ-centered home where they can hear the gospel. And we can do that instead of the state. So if the Lord is speaking, or over the next weeks and months, if he begins to speak with you, please contact your pastor. He'll know how to get in touch with me or Sarah or anyone who can answer your questions. We don't want to pressure or manipulate or tell a sob story to get you on board. But I just want to say that God is in this, and if um, he's speaking to you to come on board, then we would just love to have you. Good job. Good job. So you may not be a foster parent, but probably most of us in the room can do something to help someone who is a foster parent. Uh, walked up here and forgot my Bible. 
when they were talking, it reminded me of that true saying that you can tell the character of a community by how it treats the weakest among them. You can tell the character of a church by how it treats the weakest among us and a city by how it treats the, treats the weakest there. And our children certainly fit that bill. So anyway, Jamie will be here as long as she needs to be. You can eat lunch with us if you were yet. You can eat lunch with us if you need to. Uh, but she'll be here and there are things on the table that you can look at and you can talk to her. Hope that you do if you're interested at, at all helping in any way. If you have your Bible, Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, I'm just, I'm going to keep this short. I'm not sure that it'll be sweet, but it will be short. There's so much in Hebrews 3, 7 through 14, there's no way I'm going to cover it all right now. So I'm just going to do kind of an introduction, and then we're going to pray. And uh, I feel like this morning that our prayer time is probably, and it usually should be anyway, uh, some of our most important time. So I'm just want to, this is almost like an introduction to Hebrews 3, 7 through 14. There is an outline of this on the backside of your announcements if you'd like to use that. Most of it will be on the screen. Uh, I just want to, I want one point I want to get to you. I want you to leave with it. Because I think there's somebody who has come to the Lord's house today and you need to hear this one thing. So I'm not going to give you five or ten things because I'm afraid you'll miss that one thing. So, Hebrews 3, 7 through 14, and before we look at the scripture, on the outline, if you're using it, or you'll see it on the screen, we're going to talk about, in 7 through 14, the Hebrew writer, that pastor of that church, is going to talk about the heart, and uh, over and over again, he's going to hammer away at the condition of your heart, and Talking about the heart or explaining it is kind of like talking or explaining love. It's just hard to do. It's hard to, it'd be hard for you if I asked you to stand up here and talk about love, you know, it'd be, or, or explain it. Heart, the seed of who you are. Well, we've heard that a lot. I'm not sure that really helps us a whole lot. But it's the seed of who you are. It's what you love. That's, what your, that's where your heart is. It's what you trust in. It's what you think about most. Somebody said, I'd, I'd have to look it up who said it. But you are what you think about when you have time to think. When you have time to think about whatever you would, you are what you think about. So it's what you think about most. It is what has you. It's not about what you have. It what has you. That's your heart, okay? In, uh, in Proverbs 4, we're not going to have these on the screen. I'm just going to say these, and you'll, you'll recognize them. In Proverbs 4, guard your heart, for out of it come the issues of life. Guard your heart. Protect it. And that's exactly what we're going to read about when we read the text. Protect your heart, for out of it come the issues of life. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, where you're treasure is there will your heart be also and in Proverbs 3 5 trust in the Lord with all your heart so it's what you love that's where your heart is what you trust in 
and then what has you. So let's read the text, if you would. You follow along with me. Hebrews 3, 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, now he's going to quote, and he's going to quote this again and again, but he's going to quote out of, out of Psalm, Psalm 95. And we're going to read that here in, in, a, in a little bit, but he's going to quote part. He's going to quote the second half of Psalm, Psalm 95. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you'll hear his voice, now in the weeks to come, the Lord wills, I'll get into this, I'll take these more, more one by one, explain them more. But uh, if you underline, you can underline this. Do not harden your heart. Okay? Do not harden your heart. As in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. You see that? You can underline that. They always go astray. Don't harden your heart. Don't go astray in your heart. And they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Be, beware, the writer says, I'm warning you. I'm warning you. Beware, brethren, lest there be in, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, an evil heart and an unbelieving heart. So we have a hardened heart, a straying heart, an evil heart, and an unbelieving heart. And he's preaching to a church, you know. So he says, be, beware, watch it. Now, we'll cover that in the weeks to come. I don't want to deal with that right now because that's not where I want to go. That's not how I want the message to end. But exhort one another. Uh, encourage each other. Exhort one another daily while it is called to, today. In the weeks to come, I'm going to hammer away. You're going to get sick of hearing today. Okay, today, lest any of you be hardened, there is that again, through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So your heart. And I want to ask you and talk to you about the condition that you come into the Lord's house today, the condition of your heart and getting it back to where it needs to be. Getting it back to where you know it should be. Because we stray. I, there's nobody in the room who needs this message more this morning than I do. And that's why I wanted, I was so anxious to preach this, so, so ready to preach this, because I need to hear this. And I've needed to hear this for two weeks. And I really needed to hear it this this past week, the condition of your heart, and be careful, it's straying and such. On your outline, we're going to go on to what I'm going to call the sarcasm of Isaiah. And I sat in on Tony's uh, class this morning just for a minute, and we're gonna, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but I'm going to refer to the sarcasm of Isaiah in Isaiah 44. And they in that class stomped all over everything that I want to say. But the sarcasm of Isaiah in Isaiah 44 is Isaiah talking about an idol. And I know that when we talk about idols in church all the time, and it's hard for us to get, you know, it, it, 
the idols that we deal with are really not exactly like maybe the idols that the Old Testament folks dealt with because Isaiah, what he talked about is that they, they, carved, they cut down a tree. So you cut the tree down in Old Testament times if you weren't careful, if you got into worshiping idols, you cut the tree down. And Isaiah said, now think about this when you're making your idol. Just think about this. As you cut the tree down, you're going to take some of it and you're going to build a, build a fire to keep warm with. Okay, that's what you do with trees. So you're going to use some of it to keep warm with. Some of it you're going to build a fire to cook your food with. And then some more of the tree, you're going to carve it into an idol of some kind and stand it up on the stump that was left when you cut the, cut the tree down. And so you're going to stand your idol up on the, on the stump. Now the sarcasm of Isaiah is think about this. <laughs> Pause a little bit and think about this. You're taking that tree, you're, making your, your, you're cooking your food with it, you're keeping warm with it, and then you're turning it into an idol. And then something, I, I, I don't know if Isaiah says it right there, but it caught my attention and caught my mind and it, it hit with me and it said, that's my problem. Because then when you want to go somewhere else, you pick your idol up and carry it with you. And that's what caught my attention. You pick your idol up and you carry it with you. Now, there's nobody in the room that's going to cut down a tree and carve a stump into an idol. We just don't do that. But our, our, our idols are more sophisticated. But whatever it, the idol is and whatever the problem is and whatever our heart turns to, whatever we're really in love with and whatever we've really come to trust, whatever we think about the most and what really has us, an idol is something you have to carry. You have to do it. It's turned into you doing it. It's turned into you being smart enough. It's turned into you being strong enough. You have to keep it going. You have to work at it. It's an idol. You're carrying it. You're doing it. The pressure's on you. And that's where the stress comes from. And that's where the worry comes from. And that's where you're, you're all wrapped up in it because it's all become about you carrying the idol, whatever that is. It's not a stump anymore. We're, mu we're just so much more sophisticated than that. But it could be your job. It could be anyone. It could be anything. You know, I, I could go on and on with that list. It's just about anything that you've taken on, and that, but maybe there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Maybe there's absolutely no sin in it, but it's become all about you keeping it going. You're carrying it. That's what idols are all about. You carrying it. You doing it. It's your responsibility. It's your job. The pressure's on you. That's not who Jesus is. With Jesus, he's someone who carries you. That's why we give our heart to Jesus. He carries me. I've told you over and over again, religion, simple religion, is about man reaching up to God. Christianity is about Jesus reaching down to man because I can't reach that high. 
So he reaches down to, to me. Idol worship is about me. Christianity is about Jesus, okay? Idol worship is about it's all on me. Christianity is about it's all on him. And I've let that slip. I've let that slip the past couple weeks. Man, this last week, when I saw that, when I saw that in Isaiah 44, I needed to hear that so much. I needed Isaiah to tell me, again, thousands of years after he wrote that, I needed to hear God explaining. I love the fact that God is sarcastic. And I love the fact that Isaiah is sarcastic, so I get to be that too, okay? And you've just got to deal with it. So when you hear my sarcasm, man, that's godlike, okay? And I needed to hear that, that, that an idol is something you're doing. You're making it that. It ain't Jesus. Back up. That's what I had to do. Back up. You're going about this all wrong. You're making this all about how good, how strong, how smart, how rich, how tough, how whatever you are. Stop that. I'm in... Uh, Psalm chapter 95, interesting when I went over, because I know that's what the Hebrew writer quoted. So what we're going to do is read Psalm 95, 1 through 7. Now that's not the whole chapter. The last half of the chapter, we've already read it, Psalm 95, because it's quoted in Hebrews. But in Psalm 95, the first part, 1 through 7, the first part, 1 through 7, the first part of verse 7 is not in Hebrews. And I want you to see how very different the, the, the last part that we've already read in, he, he, in Hebrews. We could read it in, in the psalm, but it's already been read. But it's, you know, be careful, be, beware, don't harden your heart, don't let your heart go astray. But now look at the first part of Psalm 95. It's the mirror opposite. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. We've already done that, and I want you to remember that. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to, joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God, not a great God, the great God. God and the great king above all gods. He's the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. And then it changes dramatically. We could read that psalm, and I, and I did. I read that first part over and over again. And I read about how they would shout to the Lord and sing to the Lord and come before him with joy, come just excited to be here, excited to, to, worship, to worship him, excited be, because of who he is and we get to be 
in his presence and on and on. And I, I, I looked at it and I thought, that is crazy how the first part of that psalm is so much about just being in that worshipful mentality. And I thought, but the second part, the one we already read about be, beware lest your heart go, as, go astray is exactly the opposite of that. How long has it been since you worshiped the Lord? Like Psalm 95, 1 through 7. How long has it been since you worshipped the Lord? Like Psalm 95, 1 through 7. And if it's been a while, do you know why? I'm going to have to look and see how many verses there are. It's because we've slipped over into Psalm chapter 95, the last part of verse 7, down to 11. It's what we just read in he Hebrews. It's because we slipped over. How many of you, how long has it been since you've worshipped the Lord? Psalm 95, 1 through 7. Shout joyfully to him. I just love to be in his presence. I love him. He is the great God. Enjoy him. Shout to him. Love him. What's happened to you? Why don't you worship like Psalm 95, 1 through 7? What's happened? The Hebrew writer talks about that. That's exactly why the Hebrew writer picked that song. Be careful. Beware what's happening to your heart. If you've come to the Lord's house this morning and, and you're just so stressed out and so burdened down with what's going on at home because you feel like it's all about you have to do it, you're so stressed out because of what's going on at work and you feel like you have to do it, I get stressed out because of what's going on at church and I feel like I have to do it and it's all about if I was just better, you know. If I was just, if I could do that more. But it isn't about us. It's not about the idol that we carry. It's about who's carrying you. And you may have come to the Lord's house this morning and you've just, you're sitting there thinking, you know, it's been a long time. It's been a while since I've just been able to rest, rest, and let Jesus do it through me. It's been a while since I've just been able to rest and let Jesus do it through me. It's not me doing it. It's Jesus doing it. Through me. You know what I'm going to tell you to do? Did you hardly ever hear me tell you to do? Stop trying. Stop trying. Give up. You never hear me tell you that. But you know the context, right? Stop trying. And let Jesus begin to do it through you. Let him begin to do the work through you. Okay? We're going to have our prayer time. And I'm going to ask the band to come up. This prayer time to me this morning is, it's always important. But this one is. It's important for me. I needed to hear this. Because I needed it to be a whole lot less about me.
and a whole lot more about Jesus in me. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And I have no idea what's been going on in your home, at your work, in your life this, this past week. But I do think that somebody, the, the Holy Spirit is just like showing, shining a light right now on, on you. And you just, I don't know, I, I, I use the word stressed a lot, I guess because it's the best word I guess I can, I can think of. But just all the tension and all the stress about you having to do it. This morning, can you stop that? Right now, can you stop that? And can you let Jesus begin to carry you instead of you carrying it, instead of you carrying them, instead of you carrying that? Can you let Jesus carry you? Because that's what he's here for. He came into our life to, to work through us, not to stand back and watch us work. It's about Jesus in us. It's about Jesus through us. If you need to come to an altar and pray, just pour your heart out. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell any, anyone. Jesus already sees it. If you need to come to an altar and pray, and just take that weight off of you, and let him carry it. Let him do it. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to let him carry the weight. So you're welcome to join me here and join us here. If you want to come to an altar, you can kneel, you can stand, you can sit on the front, front row. You just do whatever as they play and sing. If you just want to have this opportunity to come and pray, we invite you to come. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand, I start to fall On these lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground when the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now and There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching The healing and the hurting Like a blessing buried in broken pieces Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. There was Jesus. But this is a man who needs amazing kind of grace. But forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day. And there was Jesus. There was Jesus. 
There 